It's a great privilege to be able to open this uh, theme, not only for this month or the next couple of months, maybe, but for the whole year. Sowing for life. The Lord's really put that on my heart, and it's very important. What we sow is so important. God has chosen to um, spread His kingdom by a seed. That's what you sow, you sow a seed. God has chosen to bless you uh, by a seed. By a seed, by a little seed. Do you know beautiful flowers that we look in the flower garden? Ruth's been actually doing the garden. She was out there um, watering the plants last night. Some of them are really blossoming quite well, the flowers, but they need water this time of the year with all the heat. But you know those beautiful flowers? They all started from a, that's right, from a seed. Tani Mahuta, the mighty Cody tree in the Waipoa forest, started about 2,000 years ago from a seed. Wow. You ever eaten a, a beautiful crisp apple when you're hungry? I, I um, had friends down in the Hawke's Bay right next to an apple orchard, and when you get them off the tree down there, they were those really crunchy, crisp ones. It's a little bit different than just grabbing it from the supermarket. They're just so crisp, so amazing, aren't they? But that apple that you have the privilege of eating started from a seed. Guess where you guys came from? Where did you guys start out from? A seed. A very small seed. Wow. That's a good thought. <laughs> The increase of God's kingdom, which we all want today, is through seed. Yeah? Our purpose here on earth today is to sow seed. Very important. And to sow it for life. Could have been sowing for eternity, but sowing for life. He that has the Son has life. He is that seed. Yeah? So we're going back to Matthew 13. Dave was here last week, but we're going to, you could preach for weeks on Matthew 13, and maybe that'll happen. Who knows? The next might be in Matthew 13 next week. It says, verse 3 to 9, Then he spoke many things to them, that's Jesus, in another meaning, a heavenly meaning, something, a meaning in the spiritual realm, yeah? So he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprung up because they, they, they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Wow, you ever found that? The Word of God not taking root inside your heart and your life. You walk out of here and, it, you know, you're excited about the message and you think, man, I just need to do this, I need to apply this in my life, but no sooner you're out the door, the heat of life comes on you and you forget all about it and it just withers and it's gone. Verse 7, some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. 
He who has ears to hear, and that's what Dave was speaking about last week, about listening, let him hear. You know, years ago, I don't remember this because I wasn't born, but uh, when my father first got married, uh, he used to go and he bought a farm out south of Tacopa at, uh, opposite the old uh, Tokotoka down there by the northern Wairara River, a couple of hours from here on the west coast. He bought a farm with his father, half share, and he eventually bought the farm over. But in order to pay for it, he used to go out around the other farms with what, a, a seed drill. Now, a seed drill was something that you used to oversow with. So you could, um, the grass would already be there, but it would go through and it would cut a little track, lots of little tracks, little, little ruts, and sow in between the grass fresh seed into the ground. And the farmers would pay them to put the seed in. You can spread seed from an aeroplane. You can spread seed in other ways, oversow it. But he was undersowing it. The grass was still there, but he was putting more seed in, so fresh grass would come up. But this is not how this was working. This sower was just throwing it out, like they did in the old days, and it just fell wherever it fell. And I don't know that the sower was so too worried about where it fell, but he just wanted to get the seed out. The first part of this, um, well, we read the four grounds. The word fell by the wayside. I believe that all these four grounds can be in our heart. They can be in many places. You can bring many applications out of this. But the wayside is well-trodden path, and it's really hard ground. And, you know, there's parts of that in our life where we've got so used to treading the same path 50, 100, 200 times we've done the same thing. It's the same old, same old that there's a hard place, and that's why they say, well, you can't teach an old... I don't want to, I don't want to say that, speak that over, so I rebuke that. <laughs> but they've trodden a certain path so many times, they become fixed like that. Or maybe the parents taught them that way, and they've just done it for generations, and it's hard ground. But God wants to break up that sort of hard ground, and he's, he's even throwing seed on that ground so that it would bring forth fruit. But then there might be... Um, Stony place. You know, some people have a hard heart. Maybe they feel attacked all the time. Maybe there's a stony place in each one of our hearts. And uh, yet it needs to receive seed as well. And a heart of stone is sort of like, you could demonstrate it as the, you could say like the old Indian, cowboy and Indian movies and the Indians are coming and you've got the wagon train and then they quickly go in a circle and they tip all the wagons over and they get their guns out and the arrows are shooting in. And so you build an impenetrable wall around yourself because everyone seems to be at you all the time and the arrows are coming and you're trying to defend it and you've got this place of stone and rock in your heart. But you don't need to worry about that. Let's hope that the Word of God finds a little crack because one little seed and a little crack can break the rock in two when it begins to grow. And there's thorns and thistles, that part of the ground. And sometimes they can grow up and choke the seed, the cares of this world. Everything else we've got to do once we get out of here. There might even be just family and just the everyday mundane things of life that come in and choke us. And I'm so busy, I've got so much to do. And I can't really be at peace, but I've got to be rush, rush, rush. And I was, I was going to go over to the neighbour, I was going to take a cake over to them, I was going to go and share and... But I just didn't have, you know, there's all sorts of things that come up and choke the seed. God's into sowing seed, but then there's some fell on good ground. 
and it brings a crop. And that's what our Father wants. He wants a great harvest. And we want that for the kingdom. I know Tanara, who's an evangelist, he wants to harvest. But the way to get a harvest is not wait, just be sitting here praying for revival, praying for revival and doing nothing. The way to get a harvest is to sow seed. There's some good sowers in this congregation. Um, I know Kate sows the seed of the Word of God in the school. There's school teachers in the Christian school, but also in her family. Some people in this congregation, they teach their children the Word of God. They get them to memorize the verses and sow it into their heart so that in coming days in their life, in the future, it'll bear fruit. And that's what we want to do, and that's our responsibility. But Jesus opened this parable, and he says, um, Behold a sower. Behold means to look. Look intently. A sower. And I like to think of this as Jesus, our Lord, as the sower. He was the one who really demonstrated what it was to sow. The people marveled when he even spoke. They marveled at all the gracious words that he didn't. He just spent his whole life. He was poured out for a thirsty world, but then he gave his life. He sowed his life for us so that we would have that life, eternal life. And so uh, when I read this, the words of our Lord, because this is one of seven parables. The other six always say the kingdom of heaven like is like. But this first parable out of the seven says, Behold a sower. Are you a sower here today? God wants you to be a sower. The Lord of glory, the one who came to this earth, is a sower. The one who is our Lord, our Savior, our leader, he's a sower. So Jesus is saying, just behold this. A sower. He didn't say, oh, behold me, I'm a sower. Just want to tell you about. No, no, he just said, those who've got ears to hear, just hear this. Behold, a sower. Yeah. God, our Father, loves gardens. He planted the Garden of Eden. If you ever watch David Attenborough on, uh, on TV and, and, and this wonderful planet that we've got, it's incredible what God has done. It's like this whole world is like a garden if you really look at it. It's incredible. All the different plants and, and, and creation and nature and what he has planted is an amazing, amazing garden. But there was one plant that he didn't have in his garden of this world and he wanted it so badly. And he traveled the universe to find it. And that was Jesus. The tree of righteousness he wanted in his garden a tree of life and light and glory, but it didn't come from this planet. He came from the far distance of eternity, right into time. He came in as, as an exotic plant that our Father wanted to plant in His garden. This climate wasn't suitable to Him, really. Heaven was His home with the Father. One with the Father. But he came. Here am I, seeing me. I will go. Who will go for us? Who will redeem these people? I will go. And Jesus came from a world of light, 
life and glory into the scene that was so darkened by sin. What an amazing man he is. It's incredible that he even came because he was the creator of the universe. Just to see him here as a man, growing up here as a tender plant, as Isaiah said, as a root out of a dry ground. He said of him, he has no form nor lordliness or comeliness. Or when, when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But this wonderful, because God came from the far shores of eternity for a reason. Because God wanted you and his family. He wanted you to be a sower like this sower. He wanted you to bear fruit in the kingdom of God. And his father sent the son to be the savior of the world, to be your savior. We've been singing about Jesus. Shout Jesus. Jesus means save. When he came into Jerusalem, they threw the palm branches before him. They were shouting Hosanna. And that means save now. Hosanna. Hosanna. Save now. But Jesus is here, and he's here to save. He's here to save. He's mighty to save. Yes, God wants trees, not just one tree. He had his tree of righteousness, the Lord Jesus, the tree of life. But he wants trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord here. That's why he's given us beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise. I know you're jumping up and down and praising this morning for all that you're worth because you, the King of glory, the Lord of glory is here and He means everything to you. And He's given you the garment of the praise and He's taken away the spirit of heaviness that we should be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Praise His name. Are you... Well, a tree of life or a tree of righteousness. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, there was a tree of life. If you go to Revelation 22, the last chapter of the Bible, there's a tree of life. You go to Psalm 1, there's this tree of life planted by the river of living water. Trees in the Bible speak about people, but the tree of life is Christ. But God planted him so that we would have him growing up in us. So we'd grow up a tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to be a blessing to others. So I want to ask you this morning, are you a tree of righteousness? Or, or are you a tree of right and wrong, good and evil? Still a sinner? <laughs> wow, you're either a tree of righteousness or you're a sinner. You're a tree of right and wrong. You're a tree of good and evil. You're a tree of knowledge. And you've got far more knowledge than the one who stands up here and preaches to you. What are you as a tree? Are you a tree of righteousness? If you're standing right where Christ stood, you're a tree of righteousness. If you're abiding in him, the vine, you're a tree of righteousness. If you've been planted by the Lord, raised up with him, seated in heavenly places, you're a tree of righteousness. If you're a new creature, with old things passed away and all things become new, you're a tree of righteousness, a new creature in Christ. The Lord, God wants these sort of trees in his garden. And 
the Lord knows that these trees have seed and they bear fruit. And those seeds get sown. I love it. God wants fruit-bearing trees in his family. I love the words of the Lord when he prayed in John 17. It says, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes into heaven. He didn't shut his eyes. Let's bow our head. Let's bow it. No, no. He lifted up his eyes into heaven and said, Father. Isn't that amazing? Through that whole chapter. When he says, I've manifested your name unto the people that you gave me from out of the world or the men that you gave me out of the world. What name was that? If you go down through chapter 17 of John's Gospel, the real Lord's Prayer, you find out that name is Father. God wants to draw right near to you and be your dad. He wants to be your father. He loves you. That's why he sent a son to be your savior. He wanted to plant a seed in your life and in your heart that would grow up and bear fruit for the honor and glory of his name. He loved his son so much that he wanted him planted in everybody. Amen. I've got four questions today. You think, well, he must be halfway through the preaching. No, I'm getting to the start. <laughs> it's not going to be that long. Don't worry. No yawning, okay? Four questions. The first one is, what seed are you sowing? God wants us to be seed sowers. I want to ask you, what seed are you sowing? I'm not just asking one or two here. I'm asking all of you, those who are used to preaching. What seed are you sowing? Are you sowing incorruptible seed? It's a good question. If you're preaching Christ, you're, you're sowing incorruptible seed. If you're preaching a choice of man to make, you're preaching some, to something that's very corruptible. A, pre, a, a tree, you're preaching to a tree of right and wrong, good and evil. This exotic plant that came and God wanted to plant it in his garden here came from a land where there is no right and wrong. There's only just yes and amen for glory to God. There's not yes and no, there's just yes, yes. Yes, yes. God's will being done. He said, I do always the things that please the Father. And if we're abiding in him, we'll say, yes, Lord. What is your will for me today? Yes, yes. What seed are you sowing? 1 Peter 1 verse 23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides for a lifetime. Is that what it says? Forever. Because it cannot be corrupted. Never die. Sowing that in our is corruption. That's the seed we want to be sowing. We want to be sowing that in our own hearts, yes? Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 7, he says, um, he talks here about being aware of false prophets. Yeah? There's many prophets out there in the world today. There's many people that want to speak things over us and lay hands on us and do all sorts of things. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But he says in, the, in this passage, it tells him to beware of false prophets. And he says in verse 17 of chapter 7, he says, even so, every good tree bears good, good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot 
You know, we can read this really quick, but we just need to get what it's saying. We want to have ears to hear here. I know you might be familiar with it. You might have read it a thousand times, but have you seen what it says? A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. That's pretty profound. Nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In other words, the orchardist doesn't want it. It's useless. It's not fruit-bearing. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Just have a look at the different trees that you're mingling among. Have a look at the fruit in their lives, in their whānau, in their workplace, before you just allow them to come and throw their seed all over you, bear their, their fruit all over you, you know? Because a corrupt tree, a good tree, I should say, doesn't bring forth corrupt fruit. Actions are the fruit of the seed within. Our actions in life. Our actions, our reactions. Yeah? Fruit of the Spirit is one thing, isn't it? There's no corrupt fruit there. What is it? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wow. That's good fruit. That is really good fruit. A word. A smile. That's good fruit. A deed, a life, sown. God wants us to follow our Lord and sow our life into our nation, into our family, into our workplace, into our community, into the church. That's what he did. He's calling each one of us to sow our lives. A word, a smile. Evangeline works at the um, at Redwoods and... Uh, she works on the counter, and you go in, and she's smiling to everyone. She said, Dad, you know, by the end of the day, she's amazing. By the end of the day, Dad, I'll get sore cheeks. There was only one day in my life when I got sore cheeks like that. Wedding day, that's it. <laughs> Smile. Smile. Oh, click, click. Hundreds of cameras, you know. But then you're going, wow, I haven't used those muscles a lot. But we need to use them more. <laughs> a word, a smile, a deed, a life. Our Lord sowed his life, and he's calling us to sow. More than just a word, but a word as well, our life. And Jesus said, he that finds his life shall lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake, he says, shall find it. The way to find your life is to lose it. No longer let it be all about you. You know? We can almost sing that song sometimes, eh? I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about me. It's all about me. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. Lose your life for not just for your, your sake, not just for the sake of your marriage, not for the sake, just for the sake of your family, but for your community, for your country, for your nation. What seed are you sowing? Is it more of you or is it him? Eternal, incorruptible seed. It's a good thought. Number two, second question, where are you sowing that seed? 
I would, where does he want you to sow it? Do you have to be careful not only to put it on the good ground? No. No, I think 25% went on good ground, 25% went on rocky ground, 25% went among thorns, and 25% went on the wayside, yeah? That's how I read that. You might read it differently, and that's all right. We all look at the mountain from a different side, and that's fine. Doesn't mean you're right and I'm wrong. I think we're both right. Well, maybe we're both wrong and he's right. But either way, where are you sowing that seed? Or are you sowing it? Or haven't you started yet? I certainly hope for those parents that are here that you're at least sowing that seed in your children. Evangeline's 16, and she still asks us before we go to work in the morning at quarter to eight to sit down and do reading with us. We don't have to say, Evangeline, we should share a verse with you. She says, Mom, I want you to do reading with me. Praise God. She has a hunger and a thirst to know those things that will be a blessing to her in her life. I want to suggest that this year, Sowing for Life, that there's eight places. That's what I've come up with. There's many more. But I've come up with eight places we need to be sowing that seed. First and foremost, in our own heart, number one. In our marriage, if you sow the Word of God in your marriage and you, and you look at what the Word of God says about marriage, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a blessing. You're going to reap a harvest. In your children, we want our children, we want to be caring for our children and we want them to be blessed and you want a harvest. But I, I want to ask you, are you sowing the seed? The seed, that is. Not are you telling them what they should and shouldn't be doing. That's a good thought. So in our heart, in our marriage, in our children, in our family, whānau, extended whānau, in our uh, church, the church family as well, in our workplace or school, wherever you go, uh, with your friends, in the community, and in our nation are all places to sow the seed. Everywhere, in other words. Where should you sow that seed? Everywhere. Sow that seed everywhere. Sow it on all four crowns of ground. Don't be picky. I know we've all got friends that might be annoying or people we know. They might not be friends, but God wants you to be their friend. You ever thought of that? The person that you dislike the most, maybe God wants you to be their friend. Maybe God wants you to be blessing them and sowing a seed in their lives. Sometimes we're guilty for just looking for good soil or that soil that we think's good. But it's not up to us to judge whether the soil's worthy to receive the seed or not. That's not our job. God wants you to just sow. Some of the best soil for sowing seed is in the prisons. Some of the most ripest soil. It's not... It's not necessarily where you think it might be. And it could be your neighbor over the fence who is being annoying you, throwing all the rubbish over your fence or whatever he's doing, and it might be the best seed for sowing soil. Uh, so, so, sorry, the other way around. The best soil for sowing seed. You got that? Yeah, great. The ones here that are dyslexic understood that. <laughs> Is that 50% of you? Oh, good. <laughs> We're on the same page then. That's good. Praise the Lord. Um, 
the sower wanted every soil to have the opportunity to receive the seed. And I spoke about a rock. It can even be cracked open by, even the hardest rock can be cracked open by a seed getting into a crack. It's amazing what one seed can do when it begins to grow. Hearts that are hardened by sin can be broken open with a seed. With a, with a word of love and affection and kindness, it can break the hardest men down. A good deed in their lives, you know. It's the love of God that attracts. It's the love of God that they can't fight against, eh? Nothing can conquer love. It's the greatest. <laughs> Planted in those places, yeah? Hearts of stone, eh? Maybe some woman here today is saying, well, when thinking about their husband, you know, he's not only got rocks in his heart, he's got rocks in his head, you know? <laughs> Thankful. Oh, what was that, Ruth? <laughs> Cut that out. But so, no, no, it's all good. Right. But some of the seed didn't have a deep root, and when the sun came up, it withered. God wants the seed to take root in our hearts. He wants us to meditate on it day and night, the incorruptible seed of his word. Chew it over like a cow would chew the cud after it's eaten the grass. And let the roots go down deep. You know, I was looking up and just normal grass. I've, all, I've always been amazed at the maize crops this time of the year. You know how it's really tall? Some of it's up to eight feet. Really tall. And you go, how can that be growing so big and so fast when it's so dry? So I looked on the internet and saw how deep-rooted the grass was, maybe six to, at the very most, some might get down to two feet. But the maize roots go not six inches but down to two feet. But the maize roots go to um, from six feet, right, even up to eight feet deep. They get down to the where the moisture is. I sort of figured that was right, but I, instead of saying that, I wanted to look it up. Sure enough, because you can't have all that growing on top without the roots going down deep. And God wants you to be deep-rooted in his word and his spirit and in, in the Lord Jesus, standing in him, rooted and built up in faith in Christ. Yes? And, and, and bearing fruit. You know, um, sometimes you can even plant a seed among the gorse, and it's not a bad thing. Years ago when I was planting pine trees in the forest, um, you plant the little pine trees, and you might have to clear around them a bit, and they might spray around them, but there's a lot of gorse there that was putting nitrogen into the soil and all these weeds and that growing up. And some of that the pine trees needed, but as that pine tree got established, eventually the trees grow up into a forest, and all that gorse and that gets, it disappears. If you get your roots right down in the Lord and stop concentrating on all, all the gorse and the, the, the weeds in your life, but just concentrate on Him, you'll grow into a tree of righteousness, and one day you'll wake up and there'll be no gorse left. Yeah? Hey, sometimes even in church or in our life groups, we might be concentrating on all the negative things, but all God wants to do is bring this exotic plant from another world and plant a seed, an incorruptible seed in our hearts and in our lives, yes? It's just a thought. Third question. What's the time? Half, 12? How did it get that late? I can't even see a clock. What's the time? Quarter past 11, goodness me, I better get moving. Um, how are you sowing the seed? 
Third question, how are you sowing the seed? In Galatians 6, verse 7 to 10, Do not be deceived, it says, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. You don't like what you're reaping in life? Change how you're sowing. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit bring everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season... There's a season for a harvest. It's not the same day you plant the seed. In due season, we might reap, shall reap, if we do not lose heart. We're not going to give up, are we? Tanara, you're going to give up preaching. You're going to give up evangelizing. Nah, you got your eye on the harvest, on the whole of the nation and the world. Cities and nations saved for God, for His glory. Amen. So where did we get to? Verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to some. No, do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Amen. That's good. So how, how are you sowing, how are you to sow that seed? Faithfully. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. It's not about what you're doing. It's a seed you're carrying that's important. Just keep sowing the seed. Be steadfast in it. Jesus was. He had good seed, incorruptible seed. He was that seed because God said to Abraham, and your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. He was that promised seed of Abraham. Seed singular, as it says in the New Testament. He had good seed, but he sweat. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweat as it were great drops of blood, but he didn't give up. He was steadfast. He set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem to lay down his life because his father had given him a work to do, and that's why he was here. He was on death row. He came to die. He came to be the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. He came to take our place that we might take his, praise his name. And he scattered it on any soil. For God so loved the world, not God so loved some, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, not just some, whosoever believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. And he found good soil. You know, Mark Free has inspired me because he's been sending out verses for, to his life group, to his whanau, to a lot of people for a while. And I got on that and he's been sending me verses every day. And now I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. Here's the incorruptible seed. I want to start sowing that seed out. So I've started to put a few names together. I think I've got about 43. And every morning I'm looking in the Word, finding a verse that the Lord puts on my heart and sending it out. 43 people. I want that to be 4,000. That would be better. If you want a verse sent out every day to you, come and talk to me after this service. Give me your phone number and I can text you out a verse every day to encourage you. If you're interested in this incorruptible seed of the Word of God. I know that there's more than one person doing it. I've got more than one person sending me a verse, but it's good. You can never get too much of this wonderful seed. Years ago, I, I sowed a Bible. It was just before I got married, and I gave it to George. George is sitting here, and I thought at that time, as the most unlikeliest person to ever get saved. And George is sitting here with us today. But George, uh, he's come all the way, two hours away from south of Dargaville, 12 kilometers to Kopru, to be with us this morning. And George has got these New Testaments, is it? And he gives them out to people. 
He gets them from a friend in Auckland and he gives them out to people. And his community starts to sow good seed. Good on you, George. Keep it up. You're not going to give up at it, are you, George? No way. What a change it's brought in your life, eh? And he wants to sow that seed to his whānau as well. He's brought up some of his uh, whānau to the church here before. I want to encourage you. Sow seed. In due season, you will reap if you don't lose heart. Sometimes it might take a long time, but make sure you're sowing the incorruptible seed, not some great thought or best wishes that you want to think, but just good seed. And to do that, you're walking with the Lord. You're in touch with Him, asking Him where you should be going, doing His will day by day, moment by moment. The last question is, why are you sowing that seed? Well, we want to harvest, don't we? Yes. Sowing for life. Let's start sowing seed. If we all start sowing seed, we will get a harvest here in Northland. We could just keep praying to the Lord and say, Lord, we've been waiting on you for years to bring revival. And we've had promises of revival. And what are you doing? And he says, I'm waiting on you to sow the seed. What are you waiting for me for? You've already got incorruptible seed. Why? Should you be sowing that seed? Matthew 12, 35 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. But it's good things that God has got. We have a heart that's bearing fruit for the honor and glory of his name if you're a believer in Christ. And you bring those things, and you sow it into your family, into your community, and it's because you want to harvest But it's also because God is there watching. And way back in the Genesis 1, when God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, the Spirit of God was there. Not only takes the Word of God, it takes the Spirit of God. And He was hovering over the face of the waters, it says. And You know, we read that same idea of Him hovering Around, you see the picture of that in Noah's Ark when, he, when there was a great flood and there was great waters of judgment and then they abated and then Noah sent out a dove but it came back with nothing. It had gone out looking. Who knows, the dove is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, looking for somewhere to land, looking for a tree of righteousness where it might land. He waited seven more days, sent it out again and it came back with an olive branch in its mouth that it had found somewhere to land. Scroll forward to the side of the Jordan River where John the Baptist was baptizing, and there the Holy Spirit is looking. He'd been looking for four thousand years to find a place to land, and he found this exotic plant. He found Jesus. Jesus lifted up his eyes. He saw heaven open, and the Holy Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And John the Baptist saw that too. God had found his man. God had found his tree. Why should you be sowing? Because our Father's looking. He's looking for a place to land. Give our Father an opportunity to land on a seed that you've sown, incorruptible seed, no matter what it is. It could be a deed. It could be a smile. But let it be accompanied, too, with the Word of God. It could be the Word of God. That's the incorruptible seed. Whether it's inspired by the Word or whether it is the Word, it's all good. You know, where else God found some trees of righteousness in the upper room. And there the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost. Whoa. There's about 120 of them there. Trees. It was a whole forest of them up in the upper room. 
And the Holy Spirit came down. And they were baptized in the Spirit. They were all filled with the Spirit. They all began to speak with tongues. Praise God. What a, what a moment. God's here today. His Spirit is here today. He's looking for somewhere to land here today. Praise His name. Is there some good ground here to receive that seed? Our Father knows what's, what's in each one of our hearts. He knows what ground's there, whether we're receiving the word or not. It's so important to sow the word. But perhaps the gospel's not so much about a choice a man needs to make or a woman needs to make as it is about a seed that we need to sow. So often we put the emphasis on what a person needs to do. But it's what's important about the gospel is the seed we're sowing, what he has already done. We preach good news of a finished work that our Father has done for the glory of his name. That not only Christ has died and been buried, but he's risen again. And this tree of righteousness has risen in me. He's risen in you if you've received him. Yes? What seed are you sowing? Where are you sowing that seed? How are you sowing that seed? Is it faithful? Why are you sowing the seed? We all want to harvest. Sowing for life. Let this year be a year of sowing the seed. Because the harvest will be a fringe benefit. Some a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. But just sow the seed. I want to challenge everyone here. In your whānau, that's where it starts. In your, well, no, it starts in your own heart. Everyone sitting in the seats here, it starts in your heart. Sow it here first. Then sow it in your whānau, your family, to your children and that. But sow incorruptible seed, sow good seed. The incorruptible seed of the Word of God. We come to Romans chapter 10. There might be some here that has never received Jesus. They're still living their own life. They're still living in the land of right and wrong, good and evil. The land full of a choice between the two. When really you need to receive Jesus as Lord. And that's why I love Romans 10, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 8 to 10. And the writer here says, The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Faith doesn't have its origin in you. It has its origin in the word. This word comes with everything. It's incorruptible seed. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead in you, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Even our words are seed sowing. Sowing seeds. What are you confessing? Just this week, pause and consider and listen to yourself as you speak. Have ears to hear what comes out of your mouth. 
And if it's not of God, rebuke it. I do that quite often. I hear myself say something that is almost a curse over myself or something negative, and I say, oh, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And I replace it with what the Word says. No, I'm not useless. I'm actually more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I don't always fail. I'm not always a failure. I'm a conqueror. Yeah? Start to listen and start to sow seed first here. Change the words that come out. Eventually you'll be sowing seed by your words. Because what's in the well will come up in the bucket. God wants us to behold a son. Behold, a sower went forth to sow seed, eh? Behold a sower, Jesus our Lord. Let's become, let's all become like him, eh?